Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Barnsley Museums podcast. I'm Charlotte Fairclough from Barnsley Heritage Connects. The aims of the Barnsley Heritage Connects project is to celebrate Barnsley's rich cultural heritage, to promote and bring together all the community groups and sites that make up this sector. We aim to facilitate the sharing of experiences, learning expertise, heritage knowledge and opportunities for engagement with each other, their members and the wider community. In this episode we visit the Morris Dobson Museum and Heritage Centre in Darfield, where we are given a tour of the museum by volunteer and Darfield local, Ken. Good morning and welcome to the Morris Dobson Museum and Heritage Centre. Have you visited the museum before? No, I haven't. Well, I'll tell you first a little bit about the building. As you entered the building, you entered the oldest residential property in Darfield, built in about 1750, on a site where there were farmers' houses, yeomen's houses, all timber. And all the timber that's used in this house has been recycled from those houses before. Now, as you come through the shop, you went to the Morris Dobson room. <clears throat> now Morris, he was born in 1912. When he was 14, he did what most lads did. He went into the coal mine, he went to Mitchell's Main. He, he didn't like coal mining and he did three years. So that made him 17 in 1929. He joined the forces. Now, there's a lot of stories about Morris. None of them are true. <laughs> and this is the first one. They said he joined the Gordon Islanders because the war kills. Not true. You weren't allowed to join the Gordon Islanders at that time. He did 17 years in the forces. I saw action in North Africa and, and met his partner in the forces, Fred. They were both demobbed in 1946 and went into the uh, hotel service industry. There were waiters in big hotels in Torquay, Paynton and latterly in uh, Filey. In 1956, this property became vacant. It was owned by the Barnsley Brewery Company and it was tenanted. And Morris applied for the tenant uh, and, and he got the property. In 1971, he were able to buy it from the brewery company for £900. In 1977, he closed the front door of the shop. He was 65 now and he, re he says, I've retired. <laughs> that was Morris, that's the type of person he was. He did things off the cuff. He was an avid antique collector and this gave him more time to visit the uh, auctions and antique shops where he could buy antiques. Now we know that he only bought what he liked. He didn't know what he was buying. And this chair in the corner <clears throat> the oldest piece that we've got that belongs to Morris. A Jacobean chair, 1660-1670. The floor in the cottage is a bit uneven and Morris cut the front leg off to, so that it balanced. 
So that proved that he didn't really know what he was buying. In 1988, his partner Fred died. Morris were devastated. He had his ashes on the mantelpiece here and he would fall out with them and put them in a cupboard underneath. Then when he fell back in with him, he brought them back out and put them on mantelpiece. In 1990, Morris died. And all the antiques that were in the house were taken to Cannon Hall for safekeeping. It took four years to sort his will out. And in 1994, Amenities Society took it on. Morris had left his property to Barnsley Council in trust for the for the Darfield people to use as a museum. Seven <coughs> brave men took the work on and said we'll turn this into a museum. <laughs> they started chipping away at the concrete and two years later not much progress had been made and the lottery had started. So Geoffrey, Mr Hutchinson, the then chairman, he applied to the lottery for £60,000. Somehow Europe became involved at this stage and said, you're creating employment. Here's another £40,000. The work commenced and in 2000 we opened. There was nothing in the museum. The cafe were open, the shop were open, a few bits in the shop to sell. But with, with no artefacts in, in the museum. And what we've got in this room, the Morris Dobson room, is what we can afford to insure. Like his long case clock. It's a marriage. It's a Georgian clock, 1750-ish, in a, a Victorian case. 1850-1860. We've got the cricket stools so-called because they've got three legs. <laughs> We've got three of these from 1750. These are original to the property and valued at over 400 pounds each. <laughs> We've got his, his snuff box. This come back exactly as he left it. Along with other, other pieces. The one in the fireplace, this is Morris, besides being romantic, you were a romancer as well. And the stone in the fireplace here, dated 1733, looks like a headstone. It's not, it's a marriage stone. And we think that the W here is one of the Wumwell family. 1733, we don't know exactly who it is. So that's the story of how and why we've got a museum here in Darfield. Since then, since 2000, the local people of Darfield have donated all the artifacts that are in the museum. We can continue upstairs. After you can. This is the Fred Halliday room, Morris's partner, Fred. 
here we normally get a couple of reactions when they come and look in this corner here the old people say I can remember my mother you was in one of them on a Monday morning and the young people that come in say what's that well it's a peggy tub and posse and rubbing board and I can remember my mother using that on a Monday morning as well in fact I think I used them <laughs> I just explain about one or two uh, artifacts that's uh, in the place we start with this uh, row of vacuum cleaners the first one here is a two made vacuum cleaner so called because it needs two people to use it one to sweep and one to pump the bellows 1912 used in a hotel in Doncaster earlier than that the star 1910 made in Wolverhampton and you could use this on your own and then we moved on to the U-Bank and then Mr Hoover came along we're waiting for somebody now to bring us a Dyson in <laughs> it'll not be long the uh, early tea bag you put your uh, loose tea inside mm -hmm. screw it down put it in your teapot and mash your tea. We've got a crinkle cut chipper. <laughs> this is one of my favourites, the uh, electric toaster from 1946. We've even got its original box where it came in and it turns the bread as you're operating it and it's two-sided. Here we have a can opener that will open any size can. You puncture the centre of the can, bend it over to the radius there and spin it. And now we've got the row of flat irons here for the gas, electric and <coughs> the ones that you put on the fireplace and <laughs> got warm. And then we've got the curiosity cupboard show you want to do in the curio. I'm allowed to open this door. This one, everything guessing, dice, everything. Nobody, nobody's got it right yet. It's what an optician would use, late Victorian, to test train driver's eyes. Now when they told me this, I didn't believe them. So I went to York Railway Museum and they've got two of these in, on display. Here, Dr. McCora's blood circulator. Spin it round, made in 1908. Spin it round and it vibrates. And you can see that it would perhaps circulate the blood if you just knocked your, bumped your arm. You would come home from the pit and say, can't work tomorrow, love. My arm's bruised. And she'd take this out of her pinny pocket <laughs> and say, Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> Dr. McCora, he said it would cure anything. Unfortunately for Dr. McCora, he was jailed in 1912 for three years <laughs> for selling a useless piece 
of medical equipment. <clears throat> when we go out giving talks, we, we like to take something that we don't know what it is. And we took this piece for two or three years. We thought it were a kosh. Mm. That's what you mm. looks like. <clears throat> and it is. It's Victorian. But they call it a life preserver. And if they eat you with that, there's only one life that would be preserved. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, and it's heavy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nylon stocking repairer. <laughs> this is industrial, this. Hmm. This did come from a shop. It's worked on compressed air. And inside here is a really, really fine needle. And you would catch the ladder in the stocking and pull it up to repair wow. it. One and sixpence. I like the foot warmer. Yeah, the foot warmer. <coughs> We've got a shelf here with bedtime uh, warmers, candles and bottles. Then we move on to the sewing machines. We have to turn sewing machines down now because We've got quite a few. Family Bible, 1877, came from the first Wesley Chapel in Darfield on School Street. There's another story about that when uh, Charles Howard Taylor from Middlewood Hall bought the chapel and gave it to the Conservatives. It's the Conservative Club. And here we've got a few objects from the agricultural uh, world. A stone for sharpening the scythe. These were made in Darfield. Darfield's built on the sandstone. And what's this one? Is this sand? That is, that, that's that before it, ah, it, okay. it's produced into a scythe okay. sharpener. And, and there's the photographs of the quarry in Millhouse's area where, where it, it worked. And this is my favourite, the flail. This is the threshing machine. You thresh your corn upside of the doorstep so that it didn't blow away, so you didn't lose it. And that's where the term threshold comes from. So it's a nice story about the flail. And Darfield, of course, it means deer in the meadow. When William the Conqueror's men came in 1086. All the found here in this area were deer and meadow. Somehow we've got anglicised to Darfield. Could have gone through Dernfield because the first houses in Darfield were built on the River Dern. We can move into the next room, the Cannon Sorby room. This tells the story of Darfield. I usually like to start with the coal mining. Darfield main was sank in 1861. Alton main was sank in 1875. Was in the region for 5,500. And by 1900 it had jumped up to 4,000. People had moved here for the work. And of course, we're always known in mining for our disasters. The first one here, the Lundell disaster. 1852, 
189 men and boys were killed in this disaster. 146 of them are buried in Darfield Churchyard under the obelisk here. Then we move on to 1886, December the 30th, when the Overwine disaster happened. The cage came up too far, the rope broke, and the cage went back to the bottom, some 535 yards. Ten men were killed in this accident. Father and two sons, father and son. And there's the transcript of the first man on site. I've also had his family in to come and, and see this. And then our last disaster, 1975. Here we've got the notebook of PC Steve Wires. In this cabinet, <coughs> this is the outstanding piece. It's a crucifix in a bottle. It's an Italian prisoner of war made this. They were working on farms on Edithorpe Lane. And uh, he, he made, put this crucifix in a bottle. Goodness knows how he did it, but he did. And, and he gave it to a, a, a young girl, Pat Boyce, for her birthday. They used to take food and drinks and cigarettes to, to these prisoners and he, 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 they, they were very grateful. And we've got the uh, shot firers uh, equipment <coughs> where the shot firer would fire shots. It's called a Beethoven because the shots went off in series. Da 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 da. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I'm not a good singer. Then we've got the Sir Humphrey Davy safety lamps, the Dudley for carrying your water, the Snap Tin, carrying your sandwiches, and the First Aid Tin. You've got a shilling a day for carrying a First Aid Tin. Oh. Moving to the glassworks, the King and Queen came to visit us in 1912. And to commemorate the visit, the workmen got the cod bottle. The foreman got the lovely embossed bottle, the directors got the soda siphon and the ladies got the jam jar. Now I think that this piece is the only piece in the museum that we've had to purchase. We'd got the three, we hadn't got the jam jar. The football factory 1947-1984 this was just after the war they were looking for employment for ladies the men hadn't come back from fighting in the war <clears throat> and here all the best balls were made here in Darfield it might have sports first division cup final and uh, they're stitched exactly the same today but in Bangladesh might have sports moved to Bangladesh Stitched inside out, so in the last seam they, were, they have to have a lace. Mitre Sports said to Albert Miller, he's the only gentleman on the photograph at the top holding the baby, they said to Albert, we want a method of stitching that last seam without having to put a lace in. You don't see laces in footballs mm. today. And Albert Miller is the man who should be credited with 
devising that method. The ladies had to make seven footballs per day to make a living. Not an easy job. We'll move to the uh, to the toy factory. Started in nine, 1945 by Arthur Greenwood in Monk Breton in his garden shed. He started making these toys, all his own design. He, he was getting so many orders, he had to find a bigger place. And he came to Darfield on School Street and bought the National School, where he opened the toy factory again in 47. He closed in 84 again. The bank closed, this was a recession. The banks wanted the money back and they had to close. Every piece is marked made in Darfield. So if somebody tries to sell you a kaleidoscope <laughs> and they tell you it was made in Darfield, if it doesn't say made in Darfield, it wasn't. I usually show people the, uh, the death penny because we've got three examples. This family, John William Guest, every family in 1914 war if they lost somebody, they got a death penny. A bronze, no sergeant, major, nothing, just the name. No rank were put on. And this one's John William Guest. This family have painted it black, put it in a black frame, stood it on the piano, ruined it. They're moving along there to the... Uh, men of our parish, registered at the Imperial War Museum as a war memorial. And this names the men of Darfield who fought in the First and Second World War and there's an index there of what happened to them. And then we can move into the next corner here. We have Leslie Thompson, England schoolboy football captain. Leslie were killed in first year of the Second World War, so never came to fruition. But there's a photograph underneath with him captain in the side at Wembley against Wales. And the, the, the player on the left-hand side at the front row is Len Shackleton, is the most famous one. And then we've got Elijah Scott, 1896 the uh, world champion cyclist here from Darfield. He rode for the Dunlop team. And then the, they made the Quint, a machine built for five riders. Uh, and, and it was just for publicity. <laughs> here we've got school, the radiator, here where we could hang our clothes when we came in on the morning, a bit damp and, and they'd be dried for when we went home church school, the Falston Modern School. The modern, the, uh, the secondary school, the Falston uh, Secondary School, it, it opened in 1941 for uh, pupils, but it were officially opened in 1943 by Rab Butler, R.A. Butler. He was the uh, education secretary at the time. And then we've got a doll's pram. This is a silver cross pram. It, it is a doll's pram, but these are the best brands that there is. I remember buying buying one in 1966 for my oldest lad. £26. 
and it lasted for two lads. I had a young girl in not many months ago and she'd just paid a thousand pounds for the same pram. Nobody knows why it's called a silver cross pram. So I'll tell you. <laughs> Made in Geisley, near Leeds, on Silver Cross Street. Simple. Thank you to Ken and the other volunteers at the Morris Dobson Museum in Darfield. For further information on Barnsley Heritage Connects, please see our social media sites.